Hello and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a shadowy place where we walk into the hiding unknown. Goldie Ann is here as my wife and co-host to join in about cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries told by my myself, Gary. Hello, Goldie Ann. Hi, Gary. Why are you changing it all up again? Well, you keep saying I always add you as if it's a shock that you're here, so I kind of gave you a top billing today. Okay. And it's for the holidays. Oh, okay. So don't expect a gift. <laughs> now, this episode is being released for the Thanksgiving holiday, and with that in mind, I wanted to give thanks to all of our listeners who help our show continue. We really could not do it without you. And if you know others who would enjoy tales of the paranormal, help them and us by recommending the show during Thanksgiving dinner this year. I'm sure cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries would make for an interesting topic over a turkey dinner. Don't forget something else that could help our podcast. If you'd leave a five-star review on one of your favorite places you like to listen to your podcasts, that would really help. But first, a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. Now, Goldie Ann, I was going through a lot of YouTube videos to prepare for this show. And did you know what happened when I found a YouTube channel about the Moss Man? What? They told me to like and subscribe. Lichen as in a form of, as another name for Moss. All right. Well, I was throwing in a biology joke. Okay. Sorry, I ruined it for you. Today's story involves tales of brutality of the worst kind. This will lead to a series of events that may be upsetting to some of our listeners. We are storytellers of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. We don't intend to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. The main source for what little is written about today's subject, can be found in Greg Jenkins' book, Chronicles of the Strange and Uncanny, with an Amazon link in our show notes. I recommend checking it out for all of your Florida paranormal. That sounds cool. It is a very interesting book. He's collected a lot of different stories, such as, For Centuries... There have been whispered tales of a mysterious creature stalking the edges of the Crystal River in Florida. It's an elusive synthesis of plant and animal. This six to seven and a half foot tall, 200 to 450 pound giant is said to be cloaked in mossy fur. I don't know how I've never heard of this. Well, you're gonna hear about it now. Yeah. The nature of its skin is a feature that helps it blend in with its surroundings for optimal hunting and concealment, while its amber eyes glow eerily in the night. Throughout the decades, this dread monstrous cryptid has terrorized locals with only fleeting glimpses of its size and shape at the waterfronts along the East Coast. Is it a biological entity or an ancient curse? Regardless, to those who have encountered it, the answer is no doubt that it is real. Join us as we delve within the mists of the Crystal River of Florida to tell of the Moss Man. See, I keep hearing moth. 
You need to make your S's a little more moss, man. This comes from the woman with the Louisiana accent, huh? Oh, shut up. But I didn't know this was a Crystal River. We're, we go to Crystal River all the time. We do. Next yeah. time I'm looking for the moss, man. I spit all over my microphone. Chapter 1. Origins of the Most Brutal Kind There are so many versions of how the Moss Man creature was created. Legends have been passed down through generations about the cryptid, a creature born of fire and pain. The story goes that an Air Force fighter pilot crashed in the Wichalochi State Forest during a training flight many years ago. The man survived, but not without suffering horrific burns. It's said his flight suit melted into his skin, causing him indescribable agony as he rolled on the moss-covered forest floor. To everyone's horror, the moss fused with the plastic of the suit onto the man's flesh. Damn. The trauma of this event drove all rational thought from the pilot, leaving only a blazing anger. His eyes turned red with rage, and thus was born this version of the Moss Man. In another story heard in Boy Scout camps, the Moss Man was a convict who had escaped from prison. After days of running away from guard dogs and avoiding barbed wire fences, eventually his pursuers lost track of him. He fell into a bed of moss and slept for days until he awoke to find that the plants had taken root in his many open wounds. Having already been a man of violence, this was enough to drive him to lose his senses. So he fled deeper into the wetlands to become this version of the Moss Man. For us here at Within the Mist, and due to the length of time that the lore exists on this monster, I have chosen the version in which the demon-eyed monster is the result of an ancient Native American curse that dates back many hundreds of years. How many different ones are there? I found the two that we already spoke of, and then this third one. And this third one is the one I'm really going to focus on, because this is the one that fits with how long stories of the Moss Man have existed. Okay. The story of this version of the Moss Man began as the morning sun cast a crimson glow over the landscape. Its light contrasted sharply with the despair that had settled over the native tribes of this region since the Spanish invaders had come. The people had heard stories of these conquerors' brutalities, these conquistadors, yet none could have guessed the true depths of their cruelty. It was on that morning that the terrible truth was revealed. The Native American villagers awoke to find the body of their beloved princess lying in the center of the square. Her hands were bound behind her, and it was obvious that she had been raped, and her head had been cut off, a gruesome symbol of the invader's power and callousness. The people gathered around her body, grief-stricken and terrified. They had never known such horror, and yet in their hearts they knew that this terrible act was only the beginning of what the conquistadors had in store for them. It was a dark day in the history of the native tribes, one 
that would forever leave its mark on the collective memory of these people. Worse, the horrors of the princess's death sent shockwaves through the village. None felt it more deeply than her father, the king. He was furious and determined to seek justice for his daughter. Yet, tragically, he had no way of punishing her killers. The Kangisadors had taken the princess's severed head and tied it to a trunk of a nearby tree. They wanted everyone to see what had become of their beloved princess and show off their power over them. What they didn't expect was that the days following the princess's death, everything became eerily still. Even the birds ceased singing. It seemed as if all life had stopped in her honor, for no one could forget the terrible tragedy that had been fallen her innocent soul. Despite the sadness that enveloped the village, something miraculous then happened. Her long hair began to take root into the bark of the tree. The sight was both heartbreaking and awe-inspiring as each strand slowly became intertwined within the wood, connecting her lifeless body with the life-giving tree for all of eternity. Plants began to bloom with an extraordinary vibrancy. At the same time, animals and insects would visit her gravesite and gather around it in peace, a stark contrast for how they usually behaved when humans were near. The girl's spirit had become infused with all the region's plant life, connecting her tragic soul with all living things in the wetlands, even allowing them to feel her presence and sense her sorrows. The people began to understand its power. It was clearly connected with the spirit of the lost princess. The villagers realized that if they could harness this power, it could help them protect their land from the marauding Spaniards. Thus, began a long and arduous process of spiritual rituals designed to bring forth the princess's presence into every corner of their ancestral lands. As more people gathered at these rituals, so too did the strength of the spiritual energy, ultimately culminating in a force so strong it pushed back against those who sought to do them harm. For many days and nights, they prayed and sang for her spirit to drive out these foreign invaders. And miraculously, it worked. Slowly but surely, the vegetation, the plants, the trees themselves weakened the Spanish forces until they were driven away for good. It's a good story. It gets even better. The story of the princess and her revenge on the Spanish conquistadors then inspired a Floridian medicine man, also known as a powerful shaman, many hundreds of years later. He gathered the local tribes members and told them the legend of the terrible creature made of seaweed that he could summon to seek out any descendants of those Spanish conquistadors, those whose blood still ran in their veins and kill them to take retribution on their taking of their land. The tribespeople were afraid, yet fascinated by this dark tale, and they begged him to demonstrate his power. 
Considering all of their requests, he called forth an enormous monster made up entirely of vegetation, moss, and other items found on the banks of the river. Shouts of terror rose from the crowd as the creature approached them with menacing fingers reaching out. Still, before anyone could act on their fear, the medicine man leveled his staff at it and commanded it to halt. Instantly, the creature stopped moving and obeyed him without hesitation. He then proceeded to give it instructions. Every night at moonrise, it should set out in search of those with Spanish blood in their veins, those who had descended from the conquistadors and took their land. This was so that they may reap justice for all those wrongdoings during its generations of conquest. With these final words spoken aloud by him, a dark energy encompassed the shores around them. The same energy of the princess felt like vengeance now, and vengeance alone. Even if the native tribes died out, could this cursed creature still exist with those same instructions to seek out those who take the land from the people? Wow. So, you still think he's out there? Well, let's see what you think after Chapter 2, The Beach Bum. What? Oh, dear. It was in the late 1970s, and a young couple watched the surf roll in off the beach. The lovers had been walking along the shoreline of Red Reef Park, a coastal city on the edge of the Everglades. Why haven't we been there? Because I don't take you anywhere. Oh. I'm a bad husband. Yeah, right. Okay. The sound of the waves lapping against the shore were soothing, and the couple could feel the heat of the sand beneath their feet as they explored the coast. As they made their way along the beach, they noticed a figure lying in the sand wearing what they thought was a tattered raincoat. He was huddled amongst the sea grape undergrowth just above the dunes at the end of Palmetto Road. The pair thinking it was a homeless man, paid little attention to the figure and continued on their walk. This wasn't a strange occurrence to them, and they kept enjoying the sights for a while, attempting to ignore the man. However, as they turned to take in the breathtaking ocean view, the figure's silhouette in the sand drew their attention. It was clearly not a homeless person. They stopped, frozen, their eyes wide with fear as the figure in the sand suddenly sprang up to his feet and was now standing, towering above them. It was no homeless man, or actually any human for that matter. It was something else entirely. As they looked upon the creature, they noticed that what they thought was a raincoat was actually thick, dark green moss growing from the creature's skin in patches and tufts. Its eyes were a deep amber color that shone eerily in the setting sun. A chill ran down their spine as they realized this creature could not belong to this world. They stared at a towering monstrosity that could easily reach 10 feet tall if it stood fully upright. 
Its arms were long and almost reaching to the ground with powerful looking ending in hands, each with fingers tipped with sharp claws, seemingly as if they were made of tree bark. The legs were thin but muscular, with feet massive enough to support its weight without sinking into the wet sand beneath it. The creature's mouth opened slightly, as if it was about to speak. Still, it stared at the man and woman silently for what felt like an eternity. It was studying them, as if deciding what to do next. The surprised lovers scrambled backwards and bolted to the South Beach Pavilion, constantly checking over their shoulders for any signs that the plant man would following them across the soft, slow sand. They prayed to make it in time. The horrified pair stumbled upon a group of tourists at the pavilion. They quickly told them about their frightening encounter with the ghostly swamp creature. The stunned vacationers listened in awe as the creature recounted their story with wide-eyed terror. No one could scarcely believe what they were hearing, but it soon became clear that the monster was real and that it was not far away. The mere sight of the creature caused the lovers all to feel deeply uncomfortable, but after a few moments of debate, six daring volunteers went back to check if the leafy abomination was still standing there on the beach. The makeshift posse moved cautiously, makeshift weapons ready at their hands, their eyes scanning the dunes for any sign of life. The beach began to incline sharply towards a dense scrub of Australian pines that formed a natural barrier that separated the beach roadways that wove their way through the palatial townhouses of Red Reef Park. The group pushed through the brush, carefully stepping around the roots and logs. As they searched, they noticed odd bits of moss debris strewn amongst the dry leaves, wet clumps of plants hanging here and there. The guy's falling apart! bits and pieces of them anyways. Towards the back of the foliage, they also found copious clumps of damp moss littering the area where the creature had been seen. The perplexed posse members were about to retreat and call it a night when suddenly something caught their attention. A pile of vegetation and sticks off to one corner, which appeared to have been disturbed recently enough that it could only have been made by someone or something large passing through very recently. Renewed, they began to search more fervently with newfound urgency until the undergrowth became so thick and impenetrable that the posse was forced to retreat. It seemed that the creature was able to blend in with the plants and pass through as easily as we are able to pass through an empty room. From this moment, the legend of the Florida Mossman was born. In 1980, there was an unexpected surge in reports of the bog beast appearing in the Red Reef Park near West Palm Beach and Hillsborough Beach. 
In fact, a total of 11 new sightings were documented of the same creature. Many onlookers reported seeing a figure resembling a human being, but something different. Some claimed the being was more ghost-like or spectral in nature, relatively similar to a phantom. One account even went on to compare the moss-like creature to a water spirit. So how many of these sightings do you think was probably swamp ape? There is arguments that Sasquatch creatures could have been involved in this as the wetlands are a common area for Florida for Floridians to see skunk apes. This one seemed to be a little bit different because he was more plant than ape. Yeah. And some of these stories, he was even more ghost than moss or ape. Weird. Not if you take in the legend of the Native American princess. True. Well, following the events of 1980, things seemed to calm down for a short time. But there was still an uncertain, an eerie sense of calm that was in the air. Chapter 3 An Elderly Scare In the summer of 1988, the Moss Man made his most direct appearance yet. It seems that on a 67-acre premise of Gumbo Limbo Park, which includes an area dedicated to an environmental education center, it spans an additional 20 acres. It was here that an elderly couple had the misfortune of coming into contact with the infamous monster. Again, it was as the sun set and the long-married couple walked from the secluded center of the park towards the rough gravel that formed a path to the exit and their car. It was then that they saw something quickly shuffling through the bushes beside them on the path. At first, the couple assumed that the shadow was just a stray animal. More curious than worried, the woman bent down to get a closer view of the shadowy, murky green figure hidden in the shrubbery. The old couple stood motionless, staring into the shadows of the nearby thicket. What was it? They had heard stories of large birds nesting in these parts, but this seemed even too large for one of those. The old woman very curiously felt a shock of fear ripple through her body as a humanoid figure stepped out from beneath the trees. She quickly realized that this was no bird. It was a huge, hulking, humanoid figure clothed in a head-to-toe covering of lush emerald moss over its entire body. The greenery mostly obscured its face, but its eyes shone with a luminescence, amber-like orbs seeming to lock onto hers. The couple's initial curiosity quickly gave way to fear, and they backed away from the mossy monster. The creature seemed unperturbed, watching them in silence. The terrified seniors, however, moved as rapidly as their elderly legs could carry them back to the park ranger station near the exit. As they stumbled across the uneven terrain, they kept their eyes locked on the figure, who seemed to be slowly, step by step, following them. 
When they reached the ranger station, a young man on duty saw their distress and asked them if he could help. He listened attentively as they breathlessly recounted their frightening encounter what they were now sure was the Moss Man. To the park officials, they tried their hardest to soothe the distressed duo. The ranger quickly mobilized a search party to scout the area of the park. The only signs of the creature were moist clumps of vegetation on the pathway. Which should be enough if it's just there. The couple profusely thanked the man before departing from Gumbo Limbo Park, never returning to its grounds again. The old woman would later describe the creature as, quote, like something not of this world. Her husband added that they were lucky to have escaped unscathed. And it wasn't long before news of the moss man's appearance swept through the town, making it clear that this wasn't just another tall tale. The monster had returned. The creature disappeared again. This time, it seems that it was for good, as this has been the last documented observations in print. So maybe it just died? Considering it's been around since the 1500s, I'm not sure death is something it realizes. There have been tales concerning other sightings, and they've occurred during the 90s, but none were officially noted. Usually, these are shared on the internet forums, such as on Reddit. In fact, modern culture still has a fascination with the type of creature. The Swamp Thing, a supernatural creature crafted by comic book writer Len Wein and artist Bernie Wrightson, was introduced in House of Secrets number 92 back in July of 1971. He is a humanoid, plant-like character who's passionate about protecting his swamp home and the world's environment from various malevolent forces. He's been depicted in comic books, films, television shows, and video games. He made his first live-action debut in the 1982 movie Swamp Thing and his follow-up film The Return of Swamp Thing in 1989. Is that the movie with Heather Locklear? There was a 1990 TV series based on the character and another more recent one that aired in 2019. According to IGN's list of the top 100 comic book heroes, the Swamp Thing is actually ranked at number 28 of all comic book heroes. Wow. It just shows you how popular he has become. On the flip side, the Man Thing is a comic book character from Marvel Comics that was created by Stan Lee, Roy Thomas, and Gary Conway. This creature first debuted in May of 1971 issue of Savage Tales number 1 so just before the Swamp Thing. The Man-Thing is a lumbering swamp creature with an affinity for feeling emotions who resides in, guess where, Golian? Um, Florida? Exactly. He resides in the Florida Everglades near a seminal reservation in a non-existent town of Citrusville located in Cypress County. That's, that's a non-existent town? Yeah, these don't heard? actually exist. Citrusville sounds so... Floridian. Yes. The man thing sounds like it just came out of the origins of the Moss Man. This character was first seen in a live action portrayal in a movie called Man Thing in 2005. Not the best movie. 
Later, he was featured in the Marvel Cinematic Universe's special, Werewolf by Night, which was in 2022, in which he was done very well. Now everything comes in threes, Goldian. Of course. And as another heroic plant man, there is He-Man and the Masters of the Universe's Moss Man. Ah, well, there you go. So even He-Man has a Moss Man. Just like his name, it reveals what he is, a man formed of moss. His powers include the ability to blend into green areas and other foliage, making him an incredible spy for He-Man. As well, he can control all plant life, and he resides in the evergreen forest peacefully with the animals and plants. The Moss Man action figure was unveiled in 1985. Basically, what they did was they took a Beast Man, repainted him green, and put fuzzy moss-like material fixed on him. The fangs were covered up, and the toy actually had a pine scent. That's hilarious. And along with the added smell, he could be viewed as a heroic equivalent to Stinkor, who also came out in the same wave of toys and contained a skunk-like odor. Okay. So you have a hero and a villain. I wonder who was everyone's favorite. Well, now that I've heard the story, it's pretty cool. Of course, I love the Indian ties to it. I love my Indian folklore. And that's why I thought that that story fit better with this being a creature of spirit more than a skunk ape. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Some say the Moss Man still lurks in the park. A reminder of the mysterious and sometimes dangerous creatures that lurk beneath the surface of the plants. Whether the old couple's story is true or not, it does remind us that there are things lurking in the shadows far stranger than we can imagine. That's true. Maybe it's best to stick to the beaten path and never venture too far into the unknown. But isn't that what you do when you go out squatching? You go, you dive in and... Go out there. Then be prepared to encounter a 10-foot-tall plant man. The Florida Moss Man could still be a creature of vengeance, seeking the descendants of the cruel conquistadors centuries after the fact. It's also possible that this is a Florida skunk ape, tangled up in moss and other vegetation after spending time in the waters of the Everglades. That's more what I'm going for. Regardless, if the stories are true then the Moss Man is an amazing story as a combination of an undiscovered monster and supernatural spirit that may keep you awake around campfire f slumber for years to come. Before we go, I want to remind everyone that we are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about the Moss Man. You can reach us on our Facebook page within the Miss Podcast. We are also on Instagram, plus we have an email at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com for any of you who would like to share. We hope you enjoyed our stories of the Moss Man, and we'll come again for another episode. Until then, explore the wetlands of Florida and remain constantly curious. And tell your friends. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, guys. <laughs>